Hello everyone and you are listening to the very first Aussie Politics with Alex for 2021. Now, you'll have to excuse me, I'm a little bit out of practice at making these, but I am so excited to be back because so much has happened over the holidays in US, in Australian politics, in everywhere, and I've actually got so much to discuss with you guys. Um, but first, yeah, it's actually really good to be back. I had uh, originally planned to make a podcast last Sunday, but I had a little bit of issues with my computer. I'm actually um, getting a new one shipped, and it hasn't arrived yet, so I'm using my old computer. But I was hoping to do one last week, and I obviously ran into a couple problems, so I had to push it forward to this week. But it actually works well, because this week was the first parliamentary sitting week in Australian politics. And I think it was also the second full week of Biden's presidency. Now, I'm recording this on Saturday night, but when you guys are listening to this, it'll be probably Sunday morning, or I don't know when you like to listen to your podcasts. Um, but yeah, actually, I have a lot to discuss. So I thought I would start a little bit closer to home. Um, Anthony Albanese this past week has had a number of questions asked about his leadership. There have been suggestions of Tanya Plibersek um, as a possible leader for the future, and I have heard from a couple friends that uh, Penny Wong could be a could be tipped as a possible choice. But I'm not sure how that would work considering she is a senator. Um, the interesting thing about that is that there hasn't really been, in my opinion, any reason for them to dump Anthony Albanese. Uh, the last news poll that was released on Monday had the Coalition at 50 and Labour at 50 in the two-party preferred. I think the Liberals had a slightly higher two-party preferred vote. But it's really interesting that it seems that they're pushing a party change almost out of nowhere, considering that Anthony Albanese's strategy of kind of sitting back and letting Scott Morrison have the limelight is actually working fairly well. Um, but me personally, as much as I love Albo and I really respect him, I think that Tanya Plibersek has a better chance of winning the election, just because I think she is young, she's the new generation of Labour, and I think she, personally, can differentiate Labour's policies best against Scott Morrison's, especially after the pandemic. Now, this could very well be an election year. Uh, some have tipped that Scott Morrison could be looking to run a an election this year, um, perhaps after the vaccine has been rolled out. Like, the earliest the election can be called is August in 2021. So, it is very possible that this could be an election year, and considering that Labour has some rules that were initiated back in the Kevin Rudd years, um, when he came to the leadership second, uh, the second time, one of his conditions in his book, which I've read, uh, the PM years, um, was that there would be these new rules that would prevent and make it more difficult for there to be leadership challenges during a prime minister's term. And while these rules, interestingly, can only be cha- can just quite easily be changed with a simple majority, um, as they stand, I think it requires a two-thirds vote to start a leadership spill, and then that begins a process where the rank-and-file Labour members, so just regular people who have joined Labour, make up 50% of the votes, and then the party room only makes up another 50. Again, these rules can be changed with just a majority vote, so if they really wanted to oust Albo, that's probably how they would go about doing that. Um, also in Australian politics, Craig Kelly has come under fire this week. Uh, he actually ran into Tanya Plibersek out the front and had a bit of an argument with her in front of the press. Uh, but he's a liberal backbencher, of course, and he, I believe he has the most Facebook followers of any backbencher. Uh, he's been known for, uh, posting some conspiracy theories. I actually, I, there's this great satire, uh, newspaper called The Shovel, and they posted an article with the headline. It's complete satire, of course, but I thought it was funny. Um, Craig Kelly supports vaccines. 
it's the microchips he's worried about, which I thought was really funny. And then they went into this huge satire piece, which I really enjoyed. I thoroughly recommend checking out The Shovel and also their sister paper, The Chaser. And if you're interested in US politics, The Onion is also great. Um, yeah, so that's Australian politics. I'm just trying to think what else I should talk about, considering we're only about, like, five minutes into the podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's all I really meant to talk about. Um, oh, uh, one more thing, actually. Uh, given that Western Australia has entered a five-day lockdown, sorry, I'm just looking through my notes. Um, I watched this excellent YouTube video the other day. Um, Jimmy Rees, he's been making this series, Meanwhile, in Australia, right? And he's personified all the states. And I just found it really funny that now, WA, who has been the state so concerned with shutting their border and keeping out all the COVID, actually recommended that states shut their border to Western Australia, which was really interesting. I think the border's open right now, and I think most of the state borders within Australia are open. Yeah, um, if we just switch gears for a moment back to COVID, I think that once the... Like, I was talking to a friend to the, uh, today, and he had brought up a really good point, that all of the most recent outbreaks that happened within Australia uh, actually happened because of border border force and uh, flight crews and quarantine workers. And I think if those workers all get vaccinated, he made a really good point, was that there really can't be any more outbreaks if the vaccines tr- stop transmission, that is. Because um, there'd just be no way for the virus to get into the country. It's as simple as that. Um, and also, apparently, they're looking to email a certificate for the uh, vaccinations in New South Wales. Um, your GP will email you your certificate, proving that you've been vaccinated. Now, I'm really sorry that I've been speaking really fast, but as you can tell, it's been about two months, and I have just have so much to say today. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a moment, and if we look at uh, international politics, in Myanmar, there has been a very traumatic couple of days. Um, traumatic's putting it lightly, actually. There's been pretty much a coup d'etat. Um, if we look back a year ago, there was an election, right? Um, where the military junta, um, backed party, lost the election in a landslide. I think that they only won about 25% of the vote. Now, the widely democratic and widely supported, um, oh, the name is escaping me, Sun Ki, I think it is, or something along those lines, um, became the president. And the parliament was due to be seated earlier this week. But this is really interesting. You might This might echo something that's happened else in the world. The military actually arrested her and detained her and said that they don't accept the results of the election because they think that there was fraudulent voting. And now, yes, that sounds exactly like Trump. And does it make me worried that Trump um, echoed a military regime in a country like Myanmar? The answer to that is no, because he's not the president anymore. And I have slept the most soundly I have for the past four years during the last two weeks. It has been amazing. Just waking up, looking at Twitter, and just seeing the usual dumb people arguing at each other. No Trump threatening to start World War III with Iran and anything like that. But if we can go back to Myanmar, uh, just keeping it in uh, line with Australian politics, of course, uh, the, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, one of uh, Sun Ki's advisors uh, was an Australian, and she's a, and he has actually been detained as well. Um, the Australian government has offered consular assistance, of course, to try and help him get out of the detention that he's being under for the military, but there's really not too much the Australian med- the Australian uh consulates can do and Australian um, ambassador ambassadors can do especially since I don't think they have formal relations with the military in Myanmar um, I don't really have too much to say about that topic but I think that it's really interesting that a country that had a huge success story in there was a dictatorship and then they actually ousted it with 
um, concerted public pressure and democracy has backslid back into authoritarianism. Um, really interesting. Um, I really encourage you all to follow this issue in the next couple of weeks. Now, I would like to address US politics. I don't think I'm going to be doing it as much now because I have a feeling that Biden's going to be a little bit more of a stable genius than Trump and not tweeting things like, um, despite the negative press, Kofefe, which I still... DM me if you have any ideas. I want to know what that means. <laughs> and I'm going to stop talking about Trump, but any just guesses, um, please tell me now. Um, yeah. So we have to talk about the horrendous and violent attack on the Capitol, which Trump absolutely instigated. He was riling up a crowd um, near the White House, and his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, said that there should be trial by combat, purely because Mike Pence wouldn't ignore his cer like largely ceremonial role and just completely turn over the election to Donald Trump, despite not winning any of the votes. Yeah, that was just shocking. Um... Of course, now Trump is no, is a former president. He's actually looking to be impeached. He already has been impeached by the House of Representatives. And five Republicans in the Senate have already voted that the trial is constitutional and it should proceed. Which is, and I think um, the third uh, ranking, and there's actually quite a bit of controversy about this. The third ranking, oh my god, I've got so much to talk about. I'm so sorry. Um, the third highest ranking Republican in the House of Representatives actually voted to impeach Trump. Her name was Liz Cheney. And the controversy with that was that the Republican Party um, almost expelled her from that position and put in someone else. Um, there was also another rep, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she's from she's a, a, a congresswoman from northwest Georgia, the same state that the two uh, runoffs happened in. And she had been on the record saying some rather politically incorrect stuff, um, talking about the there was, um, she's a widespread believer of the QAnon conspiracy. She said that she believes that school shootings in 9-11 didn't happen. Really top-notch American politics right there. Um, and the Republican Party never, I don't think they actually held a vote. I think they decided not to, oh, actually, I'm wrong. It was a secret ballot, and I don't think they got enough votes to, uh, remove her from her committee assignments. And I just find it really interesting. I think that perhaps if it wasn't a secret ballot, more of the Republican uh, reps would be too worried about their own political futures to stick their necks out for Marjorie Taylor Greene. And apparently, according to some reports, there was actually a, a, a um, what's it called? A standing ovation for when she entered the room, which is really worrying. But the Democrats, um, led by Nancy Pelosi, of course, took an unprecedented step in removing... Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee assignments. Now, some were calling for expulsion, but it's unclear how that could happen because that requires a two-thirds majority vote in the House of Representatives, which I absolutely do not see happening. But the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, has said that he believes that when the Republic, that Democrats have just broken president and that when the Republicans join, they'll just expel everyone from their committee assignments. And it's really just... <sighs> uneven escalation. It's a bit like the Democrats take one step, and then I'm just, I don't know why I'm hand gesturing, but then the Republicans take it way too far. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they take back the House of Representatives in 2022. They could possibly impeach Biden. I absolutely see that happening with the uh, interesting characters they have in the House, like Kevin McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, and that's really what worries me. The Democrats, I'll admit, have taken some unprecedented steps during Trump's term. But it was really an unprecedented president. 
if that makes sense. The steps were in line with the things that Trump has done, asking for help from Ukraine and um, inciting a rebellion, in effect. And now the Republicans are just going to... I can see it happening that if they take back the Senate and perhaps the Speakership, they could absolutely um, start a dictatorship in America. And that's why I think it's really important that the uh, formerly John Lewis um, Voting Rights Act, and I think now it's the For the People or By the People... Uh, House resolution or something uh, that strips uh, the right to partisan gerrymander, considering that Republicans now have a majority of House legislatures um, in a different level of government, um, which effectively rigs the House of Representatives against them. And they already have so many advantages based on America's political system, because it kind of weights the less popular states, which the Republicans are much more likely to win, uh, and gives them more power. Uh, which is why that we lead to the Democrats winning by 7 million votes, but had 40,000 votes in a couple of key states gone the other way, we might have had a different president. And then Trump could have gotten away with whatever he wanted. Now, I know I've gotten fairly partisan today, but I just want, thought I'd quickly just close this podcast with, I hope that everyone um, can stop talking about Trump. Like, I know I've done it a lot today, but since that I, I think I earned that right since I wasn't here for a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping that since... Trump's gone, he's out of office, aside from perhaps his impeachment hearing and if he does anything stupid at Mar-a-Lago or something. I don't think anyone would really care. But unless he's effectively in the news, I think people need to stop speculating about whether or not he'll run in 2024 because I think that the part of the thing that gives him his power is him endorsing primary opponents to Republicans. That's just what we need to prevent. Um, my US listeners, if you're still listening, uh, make sure you just don't talk about him. There's no point. He's not the president anymore. He has no for- He has no power. And I'm really not worried about the U.S. anymore because Biden's president, safe pair of hands, Kamala Harris is vice president, and they have the federal trifecta. So he's rejoined Paris. He's repealed the Muslim ban. It's absolutely amazing. Go Biden. Keep up the good work. Um, I think that's all I've got to say, guys. Um, As we cross the 15-minute mark for this podcast, thank you so much for listening. I hope to be making these podcasts weekly once again. Make sure you drop me a like on any of my Instagram posts and a follow if you can. Uh, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and make sure you give me five stars. It really helps other people to find the show. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. But Alex, you forgot to mention the Labour cabinet reshuffle and Scott Morrison perhaps moving towards net zero to 2050 without any concrete action. Okay, maybe I'm a bit out of practice. Cut me a break. I'm working on it. Thanks so much for listening, guys.